Uh, turn with me to the book of Psalm, chapter number 34, verse number 17. Amen. Enjoyed everyone's testimonies. Amen. Bible says a good report makes the bones fat, right? Amen. And I believe it makes us healthy. And I believe in today God is, is in our midst in this place. Psalm 34, verse number 17, very familiar uh, passage of Scripture. Uh, if you're there, say amen. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. Amen. I want to teach, preach, teach, preach, teach, uh, on getting God's attention. Getting God's attention. Amen. Lay your Bibles down. Raise your hands to the Lord. Let's pray. God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you've already done in this place. And I pray today, God, that you anoint my lips of clay, that I may speak as the oracles of God. Lord, anoint, Lord, the ears to hear and receive and reply to their lives. God, in the name of Jesus, we love and appreciate you, Lord Jesus, for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's clap our hands to the Lord. Amen. You all can be seated in the name of the Lord. The basic philosophy behind the law of attraction is that energy precedes manifestation. Such as positive thoughts bring positive results into a person's life, while negative thoughts bring the opposite. It's very clear today that whatever you put your energy towards, that's the manifestations that you're going to get or what you're going to get back. What you put into it is what's going to be brought back to you. And that's the way it, it has been uh, all throughout life. If you apply the laws of attraction into your life, you can find that uh, uh, you need to attract what you want. If you want something, you would attract that. You would, you would want to attract the things that you want and how you want that. And, uh, and if you want something or someone or if you want God, you must first be able to, to understand that's who I want. And you will do whatever it takes in order to attract that person to get their attention so you could attract them. And you should always have a purpose. Not just have a purpose, but have a, a clear purpose. You need to understand what your purpose is. That you want what you want and you are doing what needs to be done to get what you want or what you desire. If you desire to be with someone, you will do whatever it takes. Be intentional uh, with your communication. You should always focus in on the communication and be intentional on how you communicate with that individual or, uh, uh, or any, in, in any situation in life. Be intentional when you pray or when you're talking to the Lord. Be intentional. We need to visualize success. Visualize yourself with those people or with that individual. Someone who is wanting to attract uh, their, their girlfriend or whoever, they visualize them being together. They visualize it all happening. They play it all out in their mind. In order for you to operate with, a, with in the, in the law of attraction, you've got to visualize yourself together. Just like, um, you know, when you, like Brother Dave and Sister Sarah, when they visualize what they, you know, oh, they visualize it. You get in their mind what they want. And you figure out how to attract that to, to come into play. You visualize that, that's, that you're going to succeed in your attraction. And then you must take action. Not just to, to, to just be, you know, 
attract or not just to be clear in your purpose and not just to be intentional in your conversation, not just visualizing the future and your success, but take action in order for you to, to be able to attract something or someone, you have to take action yourself. It's not something that just magically happens. You know, if, if you want to get someone's attention, you, uh, you like the, in the old little saying, you'll see you have to start peacocking. And whatever that is. You know, put up your wings, you know, flop your feathers, you know. Do what you got to do, you know, stretch your stuff. Right? If you want to, you know, you know, whatever it's uh, called, you know, when you're trying to get the attention. No, we all here today want God's attention, right? We want to get God's attention. The best way to get God's attention is to give Him our full attention. Pay close attention to what attracts Him. In order to get God's attention, you're going to have to pay attention to God. Same goes in relationships. If you want to get the attention of your, of your wife, pay attention to her. Find out what their needs is. And if you want your needs to be met. There's, there are uh, certain attitudes and actions which attract God. And there's others that repel God. How many wants to repel God? Many of us, we want to attract God. We want to have God in our lives. We want to create an atmosphere that is inviting for God's presence. Right? A hunter, uh, they attract the game by by certain sights and, and sounds and smells by using baits and decoys and... And a shark attacks. Sharks are attracted to blood, right? They are attacked, but they use certain things to attract those people or those individuals. And just imagine here we are getting ready to be in the in deer season, and and all around work they're getting it all together. They know what the deer likes. They know how to attract the deer. They know how to get that. That, uh, that deer urine, whatever it is that, that they use, that smells so good. I'm joking. It doesn't smell good. But I'm sure that bucket sure smells good. But you know what? You use whatever it takes to attract it. If you want to catch a shark, kill a shark, throw you a little bit of blood out in there. And here they come. You know what attracts romance with your spouse? You know? We want to spruce up our nice outfits, right? Spray on the perfume or cologne, right? Play the soft music. Get the candles out. Make it all nice, right? You know, wanna you wanna you put your your best foot forward. You wanna you wanna make it good. You wanna create an atmosphere to set the mood. You wanna create the atmosphere to to, to attract that person. My old pastor used to say, if, uh, if your husband comes home and you're washing the dishes and, and he walks up behind you and he puts his arm around you and says, I love you, honey. How, how was your day? And, that one, and, and the wife says, Get off me. Don't touch me. He said, don't, don't expect that that guy, that your husband's going to do that ever again. Or don't, uh, don't be surprised when the voice of a co-worker sounds a lot more better. That's the words of my old pastor. If you, all you got is a... Then that sweet voice down the, down the, uh, the line that, that just all thinks you're the best thing ever was and say, oh, uh, you know what, you, you just leave that woman. She's sending to you and all that, you know. You know the, how women do. So you have, to, you have to show attraction to that person. Want to attract them. Likewise, we need to be specific on how we attract God. There are specific ways to attract God. There's things that turns God away. 
And there's things that God is attracted to. There's things that gets God's attention. Number one, if you're taking notes, I like note takers. Number one is praise. Sincere praise is irresistible to God. For the Bible says He inhabits the praises of His people. Psalms chapter number 23 in verse number 3 says, But thou art holy, O thou that inhabits the praises of Israel. He can't stand it. When you start praising, it's just like putting on, um, you know, uh, Calvin Klein or, or uh, Tommy Hilfiger a perfume and you just, you know, give a spray here, spray there, and it's just like, Praise is an incense that gets God's attention. That's how when you come to the house of God, He cannot handle it. When you, come, when you start praising, God can't, is so attracted to that. And it gets God's attention and He starts coming in to the house of God to start pouring out blessings on you all because you start praising. Praise is the way that get God's attention. Paul and Silas, they were beaten they were bound. They were in a Roman jail. At midnight, they started singing praises to God. And who? guess what? Oh, God sent an earthquake. Oh, to that prison. I tell you what, and the doors were open. And everyone's chains were loosed. I tell you what, when you start praising the Lord, an earthquake starts happening. Just like when you, when you meet the love of your life and you... And you look at him in the eye, and you feel like the, the earth's shaking. It's really just your nerves and your insides. Oh, but I tell you what, it's just like when God comes into your praise, I tell you what, He starts shaking things up. He starts moving things. He starts ta- taking things uh, that were dead and dull and starts turning them back to life. And I tell you what, uh, if you want to get God's attention, you need to start praising. And if this church ever wants to get God's attention, we're going to have to start praising the Lord. Let's clap our hands to Him right now. Yes. We notice here that not only the prison doors were open, not only were the chains of Paul and Silas was open, oh, but all the prisoners were open. Oh, I tell you what, we've learned the secret of that. What praise does? Praise frees people. Getting getting praise in our lives, it starts bringing freedom to to individuals. I tell you what, it it not only delivers you, but it delivers every everyone else just like it didn't just Paul and Silas but it did the whole prison and I tell you what Elvis wasn't the first one to sing Jailhouse Rock oh a lot of singing going on he wasn't, I tell you what, you know what, there's a, there's a jail that you may be in today, but you can praise your way out of it. There's a prison that you may be in right now. And I tell you what, if you start praising God, you can get God's attention. And I tell you what, the things that's holding you down, the doors that's keeping you in, is getting ready to open if you just start praising God. And I tell you what, the victory's coming when you start praising God. Hallelujah. Now, Hebrews chapter 13, we, we understand that and reminds us that we need to offer the sacrifice of praise. When? Continually. <laughs> Continually, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks unto His name. Oh, <laughs> praise grabs God's attention. It gets God right where you need Him to be. It gets His attention. Number two is worship. The difference between worship and praise is it's like the difference between a chit-chat and a serious conversation. You know, ever seen a chit-chat? You know, talking about cows, you know, cowboys, Indians. You're talking about this, that, and the other. You're just chatting, you know. But then when you get a little bit serious, when you get a little bit deeper, you know what? Praise uh, is more about 
God, uh, more about God, but worship is more directed to God. You know what? You can praise God and say, I want to praise Him for His greatness, for His acts, marvelous acts. I want to praise Him for all the blessings He's done. i got to praise Him. But you worship Him Toward, directly towards Him, not just about Him, but you start worshiping Him and praising Him and, and, and being more directed toward God. Praise tends to be more loud and more uh, elaborate uh, using your voice, but worship tends to be deeper, quieter, and heartfelt. Have you ever felt like when you were just, just alone, no words could even express how you truly felt? Just tears begin to swell in your eyes and you realized that you were in deep worship with God. You, were, you weren't just talking, but you were swaying. You were, you were having an intimate moment with the Lord Jesus Christ where it was more than just words. It was more than just something that you expressed from your lips, but it was something from the heart straight to God oh Lord Jesus I love you because you care I couldn't imagine if you weren't there to worship you I live to worship you I live to worship you Lord Jesus I tell you what when you get into your heart and you're able to start praising God it gets God's attention let's clap our hands to the Lord Very familiar scripture of John chapter 4 and 23. A woman at the well said, Jesus told, told her, It said, The hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship. Him, he's looking for somebody to worship. And if he sees you worshiping, he's gonna, it's going to get his attention. And he's going to come down and meet you right where you are. I'm telling you what, that we need to get God's attention. Sincere and earnest worship to God. I tell you what, it, 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 it gets the notice of heaven. It gets the notice of God. It's like a sweet-smelling savor or incense that comes up to the throne of God. Oh, I tell you what, we need to get give our hearts and our minds to God they uh, they say the way to a man's heart is through his stomach give me some beans and greens and tomatoes and whatever I don't know that's not, that little saying says I can't. If my, my nephew was here he'd tell you that all that Give me some beans and greens and cornbread and fried taters and chocolate cake. And oh, I tell you what, give me another scoop of Oreos in that blizzard, baby. And I tell you, you, you know, I'm going to marry you one day. You know what? The way to a man's heart is through his stomach, right? Well, the way to God's heart is through the portal of worship. The way to get to God's heart is through worship. It's giving Him what He desires. It's more than an Oreo blizzard. It's more than beans and cornbread. It's more than whatever your favorite dish is that gets to your heart. You know what? When you give God what He desires, you know what? He says, I'm going to come back. You say, I like that place. You know, if you go to a restaurant and they serve them good food, you like that place. You're going to be back. But you know what? If they start to serve you something that doesn't taste too good, you ain't going to be back. But I tell you what, if you want to give God some worship, it's something that's great and it gets God's attention. Number three, prayer. If you study throughout the Bible and history, it proves that God moves when His people praise. All right? Oh, Yes, he does. Psalms 45 or 145 and 18 declares, The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon his name or call upon him in truth. I tell you what, he's nigh. He comes close. When you start calling on him, he comes close to you. In our text, it says, Psalms uh, uh, 34 and 17, the righteous cry out, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of their trouble. 
Israel's desperate cry in, uh, in, in Egypt when they were enslaved by the Egyptians. Their cry got God's attention and He raised up Moses to deliver them. In Exodus chapter 2 and verses 23 through 25, we can read that. Oh, when they cried out to the Lord, they, that, I promise you it got the attention and God sent a deliverer and they were able to escape the bondages that they were in in Egypt. And I believe today our cries can do that. In Mark chapter 10 in verses 46 through 52 it reads about blind Bartimaeus. And many of us know about the story of blind Bartimaeus. Oh, when his desperate cry was spoken out, he cried out with a loud voice and it stopped. Jesus dead in his tracks. And I, I want to promise you, when, he, when, when you start crying out to God, God stops, he gets his, atten- gets his attention, and he put, hits the brakes, and you know what? He stopped, and he healed blind Bartimaeus. It gets God's attention. I promise you today, oh, the woman with the issue of blood reached out and touched him, and the faith that she had, and believing that God could do it, it stopped him in his tracks, and I believe If we start praying and we start crying out to God, it's going to put God into a place where he cannot resist and he gets his attention and he says, I've got to see what they need. I've got to see how they're going to do it. Hallelujah. Now, I'm not talking about a a wimpy, a wimpy little, you know, just a wimpy little half-hearted prayer. Mm. Ooh, oh, now I lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, pray the Lord my soul will take. No, it takes more than that. Oh, I tell you what, I'm not talking about a little wimpy prayer. I'm talking about when you get desperate and you grab the horns of the altars and you cry out with a loud voice, say, Oh, Jesus, our son of David, have mercy on me. We're going to have to get desperate. I tell you what, if you want a blessing, if you want a $100 answer, you can't give a 10-cent prayer. I tell you what, you're going to have to give it your all. Let's clap our hands to him right now. Yes, Lord. You know what? You know what? When you when you when you talk to your kids, it's one thing, right? Have conversation with them. When they when they want to call you, you know what? We you know we we doesn't matter if it's convenient or not, you know. If it's at an inconvenient time, we'll stop what we're doing and we'll talk to them. If they come to you with tears in their eyes and when they come to you crying and they, and they run up to you, you know what you do? Everything else doesn't matter. And you stop in the tracks and you go after that person. Because the cry of your children attracts the, the mother and father. And just like the cry of your little baby girl gets your attention and your children gets your attention. When you cry to the Lord, it gets God's attention. And I tell you what, He comes in our midst and He starts blessing and starts moving and starts answering our, cry, our cries and meeting our needs, right? Oh, I tell you what, you know, you see, we, it takes more than, than just getting what we need to get God's attention. It takes more than a need to get God's attention. You know, if we look at our lives, we all got needs. And if we say, well, why don't God just reach down here and bless me? He knows I ain't got no money. He knows the electric's getting ready to cut off. 
He knows I'm dying here. He knows that I got a bad report. It takes more than just a need. It takes a cry. It takes more than just a need to get God's attention. It takes somebody that says, I've got to get a hold of God. I've got to get a hold of God. And I believe if this church ever gets in the mindset, when you come to the house of God, I've got to get a hold of God. I've got to get a hold of God. I can't leave until I get a hold of God. I've got to get a hold of Him. Lord, I never need. And I need you to come and bless me and heal me and move in this place. Let's clap our hands to the Lord, yes. Oh, a lot of people has a need. Oh, I tell you what, you know, your, your spiritual principles, you know, that, uh, and your works, you know what, that doesn't really, you know, didn't, you know, didn't really matter. You know what, it comes to the point to where you can't just, just act like you don't need anything, but you have to come to God and say, Lord, I've got to get your attention. And you know what, prayer gets God's attention. Have you prayed today? He used to have his sticker, I still got it in my old Bible, in the front of my Bible. He said, have you prayed today? Well, have you prayed today? Have you sought the Lord? Have you, have you tried to touch heaven today? Have you sought the Lord with your whole heart? And, you know, the Bible says you're going to have to ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be open unto you. Prayer is the key that unlocks the doors of all the resources in heaven. If you want to get a hold of something from God, you're going to have to start praying about it. You're going to... I had to start seeking God about it. Number four, humility. 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 We study in Proverbs chapter number six and verse number sixteen through through nineteen. It lists six things God hates, and the first of those is is pride. Pride is the first on the list of the things that God hates. I want to promise you today. That God does not like someone that is full of pride. The Bible says in James 4 and 6 through 10, God resists the proud but giveth grace unto the humble. It goes on, it says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He will lift you up. If we study in the book of 1 Kings chapter number 21 and Verse number 25, Ahab was the most wicked king in Israel's history. Elijah prophesied uh, that the dogs would lick his blood and eat his wife, Jezebel, and every male in his family would be killed. If you study it out, how did Ahab respond? How did he respond? Yes, he was the most evil and wickedest king of all of Israel. And yes, they said that the dogs were gonna gonna eat 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 of his blood, and uh, and they were going to eat his wife, and they were were going to kill and eat all of his family. And uh, oh, but his response was very important and clear. You know what the Bible says that he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth. Uh, sackcloth and he fasted and he and he walked meekly and it captured God's attention I, I want to tell you today that when he when he began to humble himself down and he rent his clothes and and he put on sackcloth and ashes and he he started fasting and he he, he humbled himself down if we study verse number 29 we can see how uh, see how Ahab humbled himself before me because he has humbled himself before me I will not bring calamity in his days I will not bring calamity in his days. I will not bring, I will not bring uh, evil in his days. But uh, in his son's days, I will bring evil upon his house. There was something that happened when uh, King Ahab, well, they didn't humble or humbled himself down. It got God's attention. And I tell you, if you humble yourself down before the mighty hand of God, I promise you, 
you, it gets God's attention. You need to get the pride out. You need to get pride out of your life. Yes, when you humble yourself down, it gets God's attention. Right? God showed mercy and postponed judgment all because he humbled himself down. And I believe today we, as the people of God, if we humble ourselves down before the mighty hand of God, I promise you that God will move upon us. As I read before, if we humble ourselves down before the mighty hand of God, the Bible said He will lift us up. If you need to be lifted up, don't try to lift yourself up. Let God lift yourself up. I tell you what, you need to get, go down in order to go up. In the kingdom of God, you have to go down before you can go up. That's why how many times in ministry you hit your face a few times. You fail a few times. You goof up a few times. You know why? Because that brings you down to, to a level God can use you. God can never use somebody that's puffed up and full of pride. God can never use a novice, somebody that's puffed up in themselves. I tell you what, but it takes somebody that realizes that they need God and I cannot do it by myself. I've got to humble myself down and then pray and oh, say, Lord, I am a, yet a sinner and I need your mercy and I need your help. I cannot do anything without you. Humble yourself down. Number five, repentance. Repentance. Genuine repentance. What is, what is repentance? Does anybody know? The Bible says that godly sorrow worketh repentance. Repentance is a godly sorrow. It's having that feeling of sorrow for your sins. But not only feeling sorrow for your sins, but it is, is hating and forsaking sin. A lot of people say, well, I, I've repented. Did you? Repentance is something that you, you don't just merely say, but repentance is an action. It's an old military word. It's an about face. It's when you're going in one direction and then you completely turn around. Have you ever had a complete turnaround, Brother? Brother Dylan mentioned that today. Oh, I'll tell you what, I, I, I'm not nowhere near the same as what I was before. It's a complete turnaround. Oh, I look at Brother Dave's life, he has a complete turnaround. I look at my life and I remember the day when I was getting ready to walk out of my house and I went to open up the door and I opened up my, the door of my mom's house and I went to step out and then I stopped. It just dawned on me that I'm not the same person that I was. Everything about me was different. Because I was getting ready to go somewhere and do something I, that I, I would have normally would have loved to do. But I didn't really want to do it. Because God was convicting me. And God was changing me. I tell you what, when you let God change you and let God move on you, that's when true repentance happens. When you say, it doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter what I think. I want to please God. And you give, you give your all to the Lord. And you forsake sin. And you, and, you, and you not just forsake it, but you hate it. I hate the man that I once was. I hate the sin that had me bound. i got to be different. i got to be changed. And it happens when you have true, genuine, and repentance and that gets God's attention mm. repentance oh oh, that's when you make that decision I'm never going to do this no more oh I tell you what when you pray and you repent you need to leave and you need to take care of business go home clean the closet go home get rid of the things that's unlike God go home and say I'm not going to be the same man I once was go home and pour out the alcohol go home and get rid of the cigarettes go home and get rid of the, of the marijuana and the drugs and get rid of all of that and say I'm not going back I'm never going back to the man that I once was that's true repentance I'm not going back I cut I cut the tag off like I 
I was saying, where the tag, you know? You know, them women, they'll buy an outfit and they'll chuck the tag down. I don't know if I'm going to keep this or not. I just don't know if I like the way it fits. Fits good now, but after Thanksgiving, I just don't think it will. So I'm just going to take it back. You know what? And they, you know, just like, well, I'm just going to keep the receipt. I'm just going to keep the tag on there. Oh, you know what? That's what people does in the church. They keep the tag on. They try it on. It feels pretty good. They try it on the Holy Ghost, and they, they see me tie my yellow tie. Dude's spinning around and say, ooh, it feels pretty good. And they go home with a tag. And they say, I might return this. And you never know. I may just go back. That's why them women, one, one woman came to church and and she got into church and she, she got convicted and the Lord showed her that she wasn't supposed to wear pants anymore. She wasn't supposed to be wearing ungodly clothes anymore. And she felt like, you know, she was going to quit. And she, she, she bought and went and bought all kinds of dresses. And she took all those pants and she, you know what, she put them up in a box and, and, and all that made it all nice and just tucked them back in the back of the closet. Somebody asked her a question, why you put them in the back of the closet for? Why don't you just get rid of them? I spent a lot of money on them. And you never know. I may backslide and I might need them back. Well, well, that's a pretty sure guarantee you're going to backslide. You've done gave you a way out. You need to get rid of that. You know what? You need to get rid of that idea. You know what? If you live your life with always looking at the exit and I'm ready to get out, you know what? You, it ain't never going to work. If you're looking at your marriage and the only thing you're looking at is a way out, it ain't never going to work. Your walk with God ain't never going to work if you're always looking and say, I may just check out here in a minute. I may not come back next week. I may not serve the Lord tomorrow. I better hang on to the world. I better hang on to that whiskey just in case I gave a bad night. You never know when the Holy Ghost may not be around. I have to get a little drink. No. Pour it out. Get rid of it. No plan B. I ain't going nowhere. I ain't quitting. And that's true, genuine repentance. And when you have true, genuine repentance, it gets God's attention. No plan B. Mm. You know what? I've been in the church so long now, I couldn't go back if I wanted to. I ain't got nothing to go back to. Because the man I once was, uh, he was a 16-year-old boy. I don't think I can go back to a 16-year-old boy. You know, I have a lot of things different. You know what? I can't go back. I've been in this thing. I've done, I've done got too much time invested. I've done gave my whole life. I've gave everything. I've made so many sacrifices for this. I've had people walk out on me. I had people hurt me. I have a lot of things happen to me because of my, what I believed. And I tell you what, I, I am never going to be able to go back because I ain't I ain't got no exit sign near me and I took them all down I ain't giving up I ain't turning around by the grace of God I'll wear a shiny crown one day let's clap our hands to the Lord yes yes Psalms chapter 34 Verse number 18, the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such that have a contrite spirit. He, the Lord is nigh unto them that have a broken heart and save us such that be of a contrite spirit. Oh, I'll tell you what, sometimes, oh, when you come to the Lord and you just break yourself. You know what? When the woman with the alabaster box came, she had to be the one to break her box. Jesus didn't break her box. So many people say, come on, Jesus, break me. Break me if you can. Them old time Pentecostal people were holiness. They sit like a knot on the log until the Lord moves. Then they, then they rock the house down. You know, and you couldn't, and before they wouldn't even look like they was even, even alive. They'd just be like, and it's just like a snap. It's like a snap. It's just sitting there. Then they just go back and just like, move me if you can, Jesus. I'll tell you what, but sometimes, you know what, God draws you, but you have to come say, this is what 
I have put my whole life in. But it don't matter. I'm going to break it for you. Yes, I put all my life savings in this. Yes, this is my history. Yes, this is my past. But it doesn't matter because you matter more. And the Bible says she broke that box. And it broke open. And that would mean that she couldn't put it back together. And the very thing that was on the inside ran out upon the Lord. And it was an ointment. It was a fragrance. Oh, I tell you what. And she poured it out on the Lord's feet. And she began to cry. And the Bible says that she washed his feet with her tears. And dried them with her hair. Oh, if you just picture the tears of all of her past broken before the Lord. The tears of everything she's ever put lived for in all of her life. Savings were in was in that box, destroyed forever. She couldn't go back. She couldn't put it back in the box. The box was broken. The ointment was ran out, and her past was gone. My past erased. My name he changed. And I've got a testimony. And the Lord has changed my life. And I ain't going back. Let's clap our hands to the Lord. Yes, Lord. Pour it out. Pour it out. Pour it out on the Lord. Repentance is pouring out your past, your life, a broken heart, and a contrite spirit. Oh, I tell you what, God will not despise. You know what? David was called in the act of adultery, or he wasn't caught, but the nation, the prophet came to him and it was telling him the story of how of a man who committed adultery and murder and all these things. And the Bible says that God forgave David and he restored him oh when he fell miserably before the Lord because the Bible says that he humbled himself down and he prayed with a loud voice in verse 9 and through 17 oh he said oh purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean Psalms 51 and 9 through 17 oh purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean wash me and I shall be white there's no oh I tell you what he sinned he fell miserably and the Bible says that he humbled himself down in true real repentance and God forgave him he failed the Lord he made mistakes but you know what it God's God's attention when he humbled himself down he humbled himself down and I promise you today this is true oh for everybody in our in our midst today this is true today for uh, for every nation the bible says in second chronicles 7 and verse number 14 if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then i will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land i want to tell you today that jesus Responds to humility. Jesus responds to people that humble themselves down and pray. And Jesus responds to people that says, I'm going to repent. I'm going to turn from my wicked way. True repentance is what gets God's attention. It's like when you repent. It's like being lost in sea. Nowhere to go. Don't know which way's up or down. But then you reach for a flare, a flyer, flare. A flare. Is it said did I say that right? Flare. Flyer. Flare. Flyer. Flare. You know what that is. If you reach for that, you know what? It's a big thing that shoots shoots in the air. Or a little thing, how you want to say it. But it's like a flare. Flare. I almost said it. That's pretty close for a country boy. I'm just going to start saying I'm from another country because that helps. People say, oh yeah, he's from another country. I am from another country. City which builders makers was God. That's why sometimes I talk in the in the, in the old king's language. 
King James. You know what? It's like sending up that flare. God looks down and he notices that. And he comes down and says, they repent. The Bible says the angels rejoice over one sinner that repents. You know what? You repent, heaven throws a party. You know what? If you repent, it says, hey, I'm going to go down and I'm going to forgive them and I'm going to help them through their mess. When they say, I, I, can't, I got to have your help. Number six, faith. Faith. Mm. Y'all still with me? Part of y'all with me? I believe you're with me. Faith. You know what? It's just like a magnet. God starts getting pulled towards faith. God gravitates towards faith. Ooh. Uh-huh. Ooh. You ever had that, that vibe, you know, you pull? God just, he starts pulling it towards you. He starts pulling towards you by your faith. He starts coming towards you. You know what doubt does? Doubt is the opposite. You ever try to put two magnets together? It don't make that sound, but I do it. Every time I, every time I try to do it. I can't never get it together. I can't never get that together. The magnets don't go together. You know what? That's just like doubt. God can't get close to it. Oh, but if you have faith, it's like having a piece of metal. You know, you can't hardly get it loose. You try to break that thing loose. We had these magnets at work, and you can't get it loose from things. You know, you try to pull it off, and you're like, man, that's a strong magnet. It takes everything to pull it, pull it away. And I tell you what, that's the way faith is. When you have faith, God sticks to you like glue. Oh, you can walk on water. You can pray for the sick. You can do anything because God's on you like glue. And I tell you what, and He ain't going to leave you. I tell you, if we start walking in faith in this church, God's going to be stuck to this church like glue. Oh, when you start walking, you walk by faith and not by sight. And you know what? God's stuck to you. And I tell you what, and you won't be able to get away from Him when you have faith in Him. It's, I tell you what, it's attractive to the Lord. It's attractive to the Lord. But you know, you study out Psalm chapter 71, 78, Psalm 78, verses 41, how that uh, unbelief limits the Holy One of Israel. It said, Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Oh, it was by their unbelief. Uh, and not just unbelief, it was chronic unbelief. Uh, many people has it's like a chronic disease. You know what? It's, it, it, it ties God's hands. God can't do nothing with it. If you don't believe He's going to do it, He won't do it. If you believe that it ain't going to happen, it ain't going to happen. You know what? If you come to this service and you think we're just going to have a regular service, then then for you, it's just going to be a regular service and we'll just be shouting up and having a good time while y'all just watching us. You know, whatever. I tell you what, but if you come to the house of God with faith, I tell you what, it doesn't limit God. I want to come to the house of God and worship the Lord and without any limits. I don't want to put any limitations on God. I want to give God everything I've got without any limitations. Let's clap our hands to him right now. Yes. God wants to move with his hands. He wants to touch. He wants to bless. He wants to help. But it takes faith. Paul gave that warning, a clear warning in Psalms or Romans chapter 14. Very, very powerful chapter. Romans 14, verses 23. He gives that warning. He says, Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. <laughs> Imagine that. 
Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. If you don't walk in faith and you're walking in doubt, you're walking in sin. That is a, that is a clear warning. God's hands, when He's trying to move in your life, are like, are like handcuffs. And the only thing that can unlock them is your faith. Oh, why don't God move in me in my life? He can't because His hands are, are handcuffed. Why don't, God, why don't you care, God? Why don't you care if you was really God and you would do that? You know what? That was a doubt already. Were you saying, if you were God, if you were God, then that just let me know that you don't think He's God. And you know what? God, is He ain't going to be able to move in you if you say, if you're God, if you're God. You're pretty much saying, you ain't God or you ain't God. If you, if you was God, then you would already been helping me. That handcuffs God's hands. He cannot move in your life unless you first believe that He can. Uh, the Bible says that he, he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Uh, I tell you, it's by faith. It's by faith. It's by faith. We look at Jesus' life as He went back to Nazareth, His hometown. The Bible says that He couldn't do many miracles in Mark chapter number 6. Verse number 5 and 6, he couldn't do many miracles and except he just laid hands on a few folk and healed a few folk and done a few things. And, and he, was, he was just marveled and may, amazed, right? Wow. At their unbelief. You know, it would be great if the Lord could look at us and, and just like, wow, Brother Dylan's got some faith. Wow, Sister Lisa's got some faith. Brother Travis, oh man. He got some faith, Sister Sarah. Got some faith. Well, no, here, here he went there and he, he was like, wow. These people are so full of unbelief. I can't do nothing. Now, this was when Jesus was on earth. Hebrews, six, or Hebrews chapter 11 and 6. Faith is the only thing that pleases God. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For... He that cometh to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Faith is the catalyst that releases the miracles. Number seven, as I'm getting ready to come to a close, I don't want to worry y'all thin. I'm pretty thick, so it doesn't affect me. I still got some energy. Holy Ghost energy. Number seven. Number seven is obedience. Hmm. If you are willing and obedient, the Bible says, Isaiah chapter number one and verse number 19. If you're obedient, if you're willing and obedient, you shall eat. The good of the land. If you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. You know, if we notice here, this promise is, has a condition. Lots of times, God's promises have conditions. If you do this, I'll do this. If you obey, then I'll do this. If you if you give me a, if if you go down to Walmart and if you give them a hundred dollars, they give you a pack of cheese. Or whatever. I mean, it's it's very it's very ridiculous their prices. You give them a hundred dollars, they give you a stick of deodorant. You know, whatever. But there's there's conditions when you buy anything, when you do anything. There's obedience when the Lord says, "I can't afford it." Sorry, I'm just I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But you know what? There's conditions. He said, "If you." If you do my will, if you, if you obey and you are, are willing and you are obedient, you shall do it. God's love is unconditional, but His blessings are conditioned, conditional upon your obedience. God loves you. It's unconditional. But His blessings are conditional. You're always going to love your kids, but you ain't always going to give them allowance. You're always going to love your kids. 
But you ain't always going to give him a bed to sleep in. Sometimes you're going to have to give him some tough love. Sometimes you're going to have to kick him out. Sometimes you're going to have to say, hey, you need to, you know, do what I tell you to do or you're not going to get, you know, you're not going to get your snack. You're not going to get to, you know, you're not going to get that toy at Walmart. You're not going to get that. If you're going to be mean, you're going to be bad. You know, you're not going to get that. It's, it's, it's a, it's a condition. It is a, uh, sister Sarah said, oh, it's okay. You're still going to get it. I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's like, and you know what? <laughs> you know what? God's love is unconditional, just like our love to our children is unconditional. But the blessings, but the blessings that we give our children many times is conditional. It's contending upon the obedience. Jesus said these words in John 14 and 15. It says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Let me see your love. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me now that I can dance? Sorry. You know what? Let that sink in. But you know what? Do you love me? Do you really love me? Do what I'm asked you to do. You know what? Obedience gets God's attention. When we start obeying His Scripture, when we start obeying the Word of God, I promise you, it gets God's attention. Getting God's attention. When you start obeying the Word of the Lord, Cornelius, and, and he was a Gentile, a Roman centurion. When he was uh, praying, he got God's attention by... His, his kindness and generosity. God even sent Peter to him to preach to him. And it was the start of the, of the gospel being preached unto the Gentiles. And it all began in Cornelius' house. In verse number 4, the Bible says that the prayers that he prayed... Acts chapter number 10, if, you, if you'll put it on the screen. Acts chapter number 10, uh, it, uh, it was talking about Cornelius and his whole entire house. Uh, you know, if, if you study that back or go back, you know, his prayers, and his, it all went up to, to memorial. Acts chapter number 10, I, I'll get it, brother. You got it? Acts chapter 10. Hmm. Hmm. I'm hard on I'm working him hard today. Ain't I? Acts chapter 10, verse number 4. Acts chapter 10, verse number 4. It says, and when he looked upon him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? Or, he said, uh, what is it, Lord? And he said unto him, thy prayer and thine alms are come up for an, a memorial before God. His his prayers and his alms, it came up before the Lord as a memorial. His obedience, his, his giving to the Lord. Obedience attracts God's attention. It got God's attention to Cornelius. And he obeyed the Lord. And he, his life went up before the Lord as a memorial. And uh, his life went up before the Lord, the things that he did. And uh, his actions and his obedience gets God's attention. Many people, they may not have the full truth, but uh, their obedience to what they know will ultimately open up the door to receiving more truth. It gets God's attention. Well, people, they may not know everything. Oh, but what they do know. If they will keep obeying what they do know, God will reveal the rest. Because obedience gets God's attention. And his whole household was saved. And God poured out his spirit upon Cornelius in his household. In Acts chapter 10. And God poured out the Holy Ghost upon him. Upon them. All because of one man. Who, who decided that he was going to obey the scripture. And I tell you what. If we decide in ourselves that we're going to obey the scripture. God's going to move in our lives. And God's going to touch. And God's going to bless. And I tell you what. If we start obeying the word of the Lord. God will Move. Obedience 
gets God's attention. Lastly, verse or number 8. Are y'all still with me? Y'all look tired or not? I do. Number eight is unity. A church that's unified gets God's attention. You know what? If, If we are divided, God don't want no part of that. If you want God to leave church, start having disunity. You know what? You know, they, nobody wants to be in a church that's got disunity. But when you have unity in your church, I promise you, it gets God's attention. God doesn't bless strife, but He blesses unity. Unity is what produced what took place on the day of Pentecost. The Bible says 120 came together and for 10 days they were in the upper room in one mind and one accord their unity that they had brought God's attention God poured out his spirit what would happen if our church would bind together unified we would see all the blessings that God would pour out upon our church If we would unify ourselves together. Their unity on the day of Pentecost attracted God in a phenomenal way. And the power of the Holy Ghost was moved and poured out. And that's what will take place in our church. If we, as the church of the living God, would bind together and pray. We today need to have unity. We know the Bible says if one could put a thousand to flight, then two could put ten thousand to flight. How many knows what that verse is? I'll tell you. You know? Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse number 30. A lot of people don't know. Now you know. Glory, glory. David compared the unity as anointing oil in Psalms chapter 133 verses 1 through 3. As the anointing oil that poured on Aaron when he was consecrated by the high priest. It was the unity that done that. Unity attracts God's presence like heat to a heat missile. When it gets to where it's going, it blows up. Boom! And that's what happens when the unity happens. God gets, it gets God's attention and He comes down. And when He gets here, He's going to do some explosive stuff. He starts going to start blowing some stuff up. Let's all stand in this house. I tell you what, God can move in this church if we have unity. God can move in this house if we have unity. God can move in our neighborhoods if we have unity. God can move in our community if we have unity. I tell you, God can move on our campus if we have unity. I tell you what, God can move and touch if we have unity. I tell you what, we can cry out for God. I tell you what, unified in a prayer, in a cry that God would move and touch oh I'll tell you what oh if we knew the time if we knew what the urgency was Psalms 42 verses 1 and 2 oh I'll tell you what if we could see the greater sense of urgency oh we would get God's attention we would cry out with help we would cry out it wouldn't be a casual calm or quiet cry but we would run to God we would jump up and down we would wave our hands and say Lord oh my soul is thirsty for thee oh God oh I need you God I need you Lord I'll tell you what if we will cry out in unity and get God's attention we'd be amazed at all the things God could do in our lives and in our church let's raise our hands right now God in the name of Jesus Lord
Lord, I pray right now for everyone in the sound of my voice, God, that we would have unity, that we would unify, Lord, ourselves together. God, I want to pray together. Lord, I want to fast together. I want to be together to do your will. God, in the name of Jesus, help us, God, to get your attention. Lord, I want to know, let you know, we're here down here at the anchor, and we need a blessing. We're here, and we need revival. We're here, and we need your blessing. We're here, and we need a move of the Holy Ghost. I need you more. I need you, God. Oh, i got to get your attention in my life. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Let's raise our hands. Come on, we want to get God's attention in this place. God's moving in this house. And we need to get God's attention in our lives. We need to get God's attention in this church. Oh, hallelujah. God wants to heal. And God wants to bless. Oh, but we got to get God's attention in this house. we got to get God's attention in our lives. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus, we're going to have to get God's attention in this place. I need you. I need you. I've got to have you, God. Oh, Lord Jesus, I want to do the things that attract you to me, to that church, God. Lord, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Lord, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let's just find us a place to pray just for a few moments. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus.